Have you ever asked yourself, what's the best way I can contribute to sci-fi and fantasy in the literary world? If you have, the answer is simple. You just have to be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt and host the Sword and Laser podcast. If for some reason you can't be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt, however, don't despair. All is not lost. You can still head over to patreon.com slash swordandlaser and help fund their hard work. Every cent you give adds more swords and more lasers to their growing arsenal of speculative literary goodness. That's patreon.com slash swordandlaser. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. And uh, we're in Hawaii. We're both in Hawaii with our spouses on yeah. vacation. <laughs> uh, we, we mentioned this a little bit, uh, and this is going to be a very different episode of Sword and Laser, uh, mostly for logistical reasons. We're, we're both intended to take this trip uh, at the same time. So we could hang out here. But the problem is the Consumer Electronics Show is happening as soon as we both get back. Yeah, and I'm definitely going. So I'm going to be basically landing in San Francisco on the night of the 4th at 9.30 p.m. And then turning around, not leaving the airport, and getting on an airplane to Las Vegas, getting in after midnight, and then basically starting... At CES the next, first thing the next morning. Which means, uh, the, the way schedules work out, we wouldn't get you an episode of Sword and Laser until January 12th yeah. at that point. So we decided that we would take a little time out of our vacation, sit out here on the back deck in Kauai. Apologies, we're not trying to rub it in. It's just facts. Just a little bit. Maybe not, not a lot. Veronica's trying to rub it a little in a little. Bit, maybe a little bit. You know, but like a salt <laughs> garlic rub that makes something tastier. Yeah. No. So what That's are you weird. what what are you drinking, Tom? I am drinking a bikini blonde lager from the Maui Brewing Company. What are you drinking? <laughs> the same thing. Not a surprise. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're we're gonna get to an episode. Uh, as we mentioned last episode, we really don't need to kick off Radiance by Catherine Valente for you. Uh, the best kickoff is to go find our interview with Catherine, where we go through what the book is about and everything you need to know. Uh, so I, I think we're, what we're going to talk about, and it's, I know it's after the holidays are over, but y'all are thinking about your next vacation. I know you are because you just got done with a little holiday break. Hopefully, I hope you got even a little bit. Uh, and we're going to talk about vacation reads. I just finished, um, so I just finished Seven Eves by Neil Stevenson and man, that book was crazy. Have you read it? I have. You did read it. And I loved it. I'm a big fan of Neil Stevenson. I have never read anything of his that I didn't like, and that includes The Baroque Cycle, (laughs) which some people can't get through. Uh, And I I thought it was fantastic. I know a lot of people, though, felt like the first half held their interest more than the second half. What what about you? Basically 100% how I felt until... uh, How spoilery are we getting with our summer I mean, okay, look... I would say we're going to be half spoilery. Like, don't spoil major plot points. Okay. But I think it's okay to talk about the difference between the first and the second half. So if you if you really don't want to know anything about Seven Eves, you might want to jump out. At okay. This point. So the the second half when they jump, ah, uh, it it. Mm. Well, that, uh, let me see if uh. I can set it up. <laughs> the the first half of the book takes place in the near term. In the near future. Like in yes. the you know in a in a future that you will most likely live to see. Uh, and the second half jumps way far into the future and says, hey, uh, this is what has happened as a result of those events. 
You know who spoiled that for me? Oh, somebody spoiled it for you? Yeah, who? John Scalzi. What? Yeah, so I I was on Twitter and I was talking about how, you know, if you like The Martian, because this was right as The Martian oh, was coming uh-huh. out. Yeah. It's like, if you like The Martian, you should try Seven Eves because the science is like really, really well done. And it's, it's a super deep, super nerdy kind of science nerd novel. And I think we can spoil the premise a little bit, right? Well, I mean, they the say it right in the, in the very beginning yeah. is that the, the moon explodes and there's basically seven, seven large fragments. Hence the seven Heaven. eaves. Yes. And um, well, that, that also that, comes well, back later. Well, it applies later, to right. other things later, too. Right, right. Um, and so, yeah, but the, the, the second half of the book dragged a little bit for me for a good amount of time um, until the very end again. Okay, okay. Um, I, I loved that we got the jump forward because I wanted to see what would happen as a result of everything people did mm-hmm. in the first half. Uh, because like we said, the moon explodes and, and Earth has to deal with that fact. And so there's a lot of things that happen that will cause the future of humanity to be changed. And so you get to see what's going to happen. And that's, to me, it was a brilliant turn to say, oh, I'm, okay, now I'm going to get to see the results of that without having to like wade through a lot more things. I, I felt like it became a different novel at that point. It became kind of a Kim Stanley Robinson uh, Alistair Reynolds kind of novel mm-hmm. about like mm-hmm. this is how humanity has progressed, and I think that's probably what throws a lot of people off. Yeah, um, I had I had a little bit of trouble visualizing certain aspects as well, and maybe that was a problem with having the Kindle version and not the print version. I don't know if there are more mm-hmm. illustrations maybe in the print yeah. version. Well, and anybody who's read Neil, Neil Stevenson knows uh, from Snow Crash, where he shows off that he has really researched a lot of computer knowledge. Uh, to Cryptonomicon, where he shows off that he has researched a lot of cryptology. Uh, in Seven Eves, he shows off that he has researched a lot about orbital mechanics. Yes. <laughs> uh, and when I say shows off, I, I don't mean that as a pejorative. Like, he shows that he has really done the research. Mm-hmm. And, like, he he tells you the underpinnings behind things. But, yeah, it does make it difficult to visualize in some respects. Yeah, but I, but I liked it and I'm glad I read it. Yeah, I I enjoyed it quite a bit as well. What have you read? I have not read anything near so weighty. Um, I am reading the, my vacation read right now. I haven't finished it yet. Uh, and I promise you, it is not... I'm not going to spoil the movie Star Wars The Force Awakens for you <laughs> in this discussion. Do not worry. All right. I am reading Before the Awakening, Ooh. which is a Star Wars novel that was released on December 18th with the movie that tells the stories of three main characters leading up to the movie. So you get, it's basically like a collection of, they're not quite novellas, uh, but they're more than short stories about Rey, Poe Dameron, and Finn, and what is going on in their lives leading up to the beginning of the movie. Oh, that sounds good. It's really good. I, I, like I said, I'm not going to spoil anything about the movie, so there's limited things I can say about it. But you know that Ray, if if you're Jeff Kanata stuff, you know, and you haven't seen the trailers or whatever, go see the movie. For goodness sake, Jeff Kanata has he's seen it a <laughs> couple times. Uh, so so this could spoil things that are in the trailers. But you know, Ray lives on a desert planet, mm-hmm. right? And so it tells you what she's doing, what her daily life is like, and then there is a project she undertakes uh, to salvage something on the planet of Jakku, and 
it goes into a lot of things that you might have small questions about when you see her like, well, wait a minute, how did she come up with that? And how did she learn to do that? How did this and that? Mm -hmm. A lot of that stuff is explained. Finn is going through training as a stormtrooper. Uh, and so you get a little bit of why he might have done the things he does in the movie. Okay. Some information about his thought processes and why he was a, you know, trusted stormtrooper, why he was allowed to go on a mission. Uh, and then Poe Dameron, I'm not finished with. That's the story I'm still reading right now. And it's less revelatory, but you get to meet more characters that you know in his story because he's part of something. Of the resistance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's already underway. That's great. Oh, I want to read that. I've never read any of the novelizations of Star Wars. I've read all of the uh, middle trio novelizations. I read The Phantom Menace back in the day. I haven't read the other ones. Uh, but I rarely read the extended universe stuff. Hmm. I did read Timothy Zahn, obviously. Right. Uh, and I, I've read a few here and there. But I've really been eating these up. I I know there are varied opinions about Force, uh, uh, about uh, Aftermath mm -hmm. by Chuck Wendig. And I think they gave him a very difficult task, which is why a lot of people don't like it. But I think there's really, really good stuff. And Chuck Wendig's writing is great. He's a great it. writer. Uh, so I... I, I know that's not going to be for everybody, but I enjoyed it. And Lost Stars by Claudia Gray is another one that is fantastic because it tells the story of two Stormtrooper Academy members from before they joined the Academy, which is pre-Episode 4, all the way through the end of Return of the Jedi. Wow. That sounds good. I, I'm, I might have to get into some of those at some point. I'd be, I'd be very curious to read more. Well, and that's the thing. I think... Uh, novelizations and extended universe uh, sort of books still have a bad rap because in the 80s they would just crank out Star Trek novels mm -hmm. and they, they would crank out ancillary novels like that uh, without worrying too much knowing that well if you you know you throw Picard and Kirk on the cover it'll sell uh, and that, that doesn't mean that the people who write those novels are bad. A lot of them are very good. Ari Salvatore has written a lot of in-universe novels like that. And, uh, and man, the pressure must be off him now. Oh, I know. Poor, I was, I was <laughs> That's not canon anymore. I was trying to explain to Ryan about poor Ari Salvatore, and he just didn't... Yeah, he didn't if you don't know what we're it. talking about, in an extended universe Star Wars novel, um, he kills a very beloved character, and that is no longer canon. No. So... Right. It didn't really happen. <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> Actually, I wonder if he feels kind of bad about that. Like, like, his, like, like he, he had made... to go through all of that pain yeah. and then it got taken away from yeah. him. Yeah, on Twitter after I saw the movie, I put, well, I guess you're off the hook now and you never responded. So maybe he's like, I'm not. Ugh. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk <laughs> about it. I don't blame him. Um, oh, for in the, in the nonfiction realm, I just finished reading John Ronson's uh, So You've Been Shamed on the Internet. Interesting. And it was really great. It was a pretty fast read. Yeah. Um, it's all about, it's it's case studies of people like Lindsay Stone and Justine Sacco and um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, I can't, I'm forgetting. There, there's a main story who's who the, the author I'm forgetting. He wrote, basically he got caught. He, he wrote a book about Bob Dylan. And in the book he basically made up a bunch of quotes. Oh, that's not good. And he got caught by another journalist, and his career was kind of over. Um, but he just put out a new book, too, so they're seeing if he can... So that's interesting. So it's not... When you think shamed on the internet, you think of people like uh, in controversies where they haven't really done anything wrong, but somebody doesn't like their opinion, so they try to shame them. But you're talking about people who've done something that 
maybe to varying you know, in, inarguably wrong in yeah. some cases but do they still deserve to be shamed well I, and and then it's and this falls into the talk that i gave actually at xoxo about you know kind of like when does the punishment befit the crime and right. when you're on the internet i mean we have this whole judge jury and and prosecution and sentencing essentially where if you if you mess up if you screw up and the internet decides that you did and they decide to band against you I mean, your Google results are ruined. It's going to be real hard for you to get a job in the future. Even if it's something kind of dumb, like what Lindsay Stone did, which was take inappropriate photographs in front of funny signs. So, like, she went to Arlington National Cemetery. Oh, okay. And there was a sign that said, you know, uh, you know, silence and respect or something like that. And she looks like she's screaming and giving the middle finger. Right. And but her she... friend put it on Facebook. Oh, okay. And it was just a joke where they basically do funny things in front of science telling them not to do right. things. Right, and it's the kind of thing where, like, among a circle of friends, it might be like, well, I know she's not serious. That's kind right. of, okay, fine. That, but, ha, ha, ha. But it's spread. But when it becomes public to everyone, suddenly it becomes in poor taste, even though it was not intended to be for everyone. Right, and so, and her whole life was ruined. And she lost her job, and her like she gets death threats and rape threats, and you know it's it's uh, it's followed her for many many years, and so it's really it's really it was an interesting read, and I think it's it's a valuable read for people, especially people who think they're, you know, a lot of us we think we're good people, and yet when we go online, sometimes we end up bandwagoning on other people without even really realizing it, because if you say something about a person. That's just one voice, right. but it never is just one voice. It exactly. always turns into this avalanche of, of, you know, shame. We have to learn, and and I assume the book deals with this. We have to learn that now that we have a medium in which our voices are more equalized, mm-hmm. we have to take more responsibility for what we say. And I think as a culture, certainly me at age forty-five, I grew up where if I said something about a film director. To, to a friend of mine, the film director was never going to hear it. And so there's a little bit of, of safety net there to go like, yeah, George Lucas ruined my childhood. All right? But now we're dealing in a medium where George Lucas could hear that and read that. Yeah. And and you may say, well, he's rich. What does he care? He's still got feelings. And, he's a human and, being. And to go back to your point, me saying it doesn't, he doesn't care, but now millions of people are saying it, and you're one of them. You're contributing to the fact that millions of people are saying this, and suddenly it doesn't seem as funny to me anymore. It's like a tidal wave of shittiness. Yeah. So, so. it's I, I, I think I, very Pollyanna sometimes, believe that it is the human beings growing up and learning how to use this new tool and realizing, oh, crap, we could really hurt people with this. And I, and I hope and believe that we will figure out, okay, uh, there are certain things that I shouldn't say on the internet mm-hmm. and certain things that I shouldn't accuse people of on the internet. Yeah, it's, it's a whole new world. And uh, I, I think it's a valuable read for, for anyone who lives and works online or, you know, even just moves there casually as an observer or, you know, you just have a Twitter account. It doesn't matter. Anyone, anyone can have an effect. Yeah. Uh, I just realize that when you're speaking in a medium where everyone can hear you, the person you're speaking about might be able to read you or hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, George. <laughs> I'm reading... Just an example. Just an example. <laughs> I'm reading uh, The History of the Ancient World. Oh. Uh, that seems rather broad. Well, here's... Yeah. 
It's, well, it's just the ancient world. It's not the modern world. I used to read a lot of nonfiction until I started this show called Sword and Laser, mm. which took all my reading time. And oh, boo-hoo-hoo. I, I had to read genre fiction. Uh, believe me, I'm not complaining. Uh, but but recently I got a little error in my schedule. I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some nonfiction. And I, I've read some mm. over the years. Uh, but I found this book by Susan Wise Bauer that is the history of the ancient world. And I've read histories of the ancient world before. But what she's doing, which I find extremely interesting, is she is telling the history of the ancient world through the stories that people who lived then told. Uh, and she very in the introduction, she points out, she's like, so this is going to leave out some cultures and some people are not going to like that. I'm not going to have a lot to say about the Maya because they didn't leave a lot of written records until later in their history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm certainly not going to have a lot to say about prehistoric people because they're, they didn't tell any stories yet. But she said she wants to really try to get into the minds of the people who lived in that time and tell their stories that way instead of listing battles and facts. And I'm about a third of the way into it. And so far, I find it extremely compelling because, you know, she's looking at the inscriptions in the pyramids. She's looking at the Epic of Gilgamesh. She's looking at letters written on clay tablets uh, from a king to his wife, who's in another town, who's in another city, uh, that are extremely modern and personal in their interpretation and feel. And I, I, I think, you know, anybody who's loved The Lord of the Rings would love to read this book because you're going to see all of these things that Tolkien paralleled huh. that you might have forgotten about or never kn- known about uh, that he took out of Babylonian civilization, out of Egyptian civilization, as far as telling an epic tale. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I almost never read like this is the first nonfiction book I've read uh-huh. in I don't I don't remember how long, so it's it's a nice change. Now, when uh, before we finish up here, when you read on vacation, how do you usually read? Constantly. No, well, no, but I mean, like, do you do you have paperbacks? Do you use a phone? Uh, a I'm Kindle? almost all Kindle. Like a device, Kindle device, or Kindle kin- device. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't even bring any any paperback books with me. But so you don't read on a tablet or a phone? No, I don't have I don't have a tablet really. Okay. I have I have um I have an iPad two that I never use and has gotten so cruddy and and broken at this point that it's unusable even as like a recipe device. Hi, Ryan's home from the beach. Ooh, How was the beach? Refreshing. Refreshing. We should try it instead of podcasting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much purely purely Kindle on vacation. I read a lot on my phone. Why? Because it's easy to carry around. Uh-huh. I want to carry it for other reasons. Mm. Uh, and all my books are there. That's nice. Yeah. I don't like it. I just don't like the screen for reading. I don't love the screen, but it's fine. It works well enough. Yeah. So yeah, I was reading my book at the beach earlier today. Just nice. on my phone. I do put my phone in Ziploc before I get to the beach, so that I was thinking sand, of that. sand. I mean, water is one thing, and I, but a Ziploc isn't really going to protect you from water. But sand is uh, is really bad. On Can your you screen. use the touchscreen with the yes, the, the Ziploc really? bag? Touch wow. ID unlocked my phone no. through the Ziploc bag. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay, good to know. I was looking for. I was thinking of getting a Ziploc bag for my Kindle. Yeah, they're cheap. You should pick one yeah, up. Yeah, I just get a couple up. 
All right, well, that I think that wraps it up then. Yeah, I think we're good. Well, thank you guys for bearing. I know the audio is a little weird. I'll try to f- clean it up a little bit. Hopefully um, you can hear some ocean sounds. Hopefully. I'll, I'll try not to uh, noise reduce that out as much as possible. <laughs> but it might it might be necessary. Um, but yeah, hope you guys had a great holiday week. Um, stay tuned for CES coverage, I'm sure, on DTNS. Yeah, yeah, we'll be talking with Patrick Norton from DTNS. And a few I other will people. not be on on Monday. Did I tell you that? I, I probably you probably did. I'll be flying back from here. Yeah, that makes sense. I should I should tell Jenny that. I'll tell you Jenny really that. should tell as long as Jenny knows. That's really damn all it. That I forgot. I think I forgot. Okay. Anyway. All right. Well, have a great holidays, and we will see you guys back in uh, mid January. Swordandlaser.com slash picks. And don't forget to pick up uh, Catherine Valente's uh, Radiance. Radiance. Is it's the book underway, pick for January. and I'm really enjoying it. I'm sure. I'm on page one. I started page. one. I haven't one started the audio book yet. <laughs> It's going to be awesome. But I will, by the time you hear this. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.